You're listening to the Tri-State Community Church Podcast, a ministry of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church located in the greater Pittsburgh metropolitan area. For more information, including service times, please visit us at facebook.com forward slash Tri-State Reformed Church. This morning I'm going to be preaching from the uh, letter of James, Jesus's brother who was an unbeliever in Jesus at one time and a bit of an antagonist to Jesus. And I have a little disclaimer here about James. My relationship with James did not start out on a good footing. Um, I left the church at around 15 and then uh, God brought myself and Brendan together. We had uh, two boys. Uh, we have four all together. But after we had our second, we thought it's time to go back to church for the kids sake, you know. And uh, it just so happens that the particular pastor who was serving the church at this time used to end every service with the old King James reading of uh, James chapter 1, verse 22, that uh, went like this, where I wrote it down here somewhere. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And I used to think, who the heck is that guy up there to tell me what to do, right? Because I've been doing things my own way, like Frank Sinatra, and I like doing my things my own way. But what I came to later understand, of course, it wasn't the pastor who was telling me to be a doer of God's word. It was, well, it was God telling me to be a doer of his word, lest I deceive myself, deceive myself. So so just a little background about how James and I started off on uh, kind of a bad foot. And uh, I'm going to read, um, I'm going to start at James 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 12, and read through 18, actually. So, This is what James writes to the church that is scattered uh, throughout the the Mediterranean there. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first first fruits of his creatures. Let us pray together. Father, even the relationship between James and your son, Jesus Christ, his earthly brother, even as it was contentious for a time, James was called out of the darkness into the light by the word of truth that he may be a first fruit among all the creatures of the earth, that he may bring your word to us this morning. And so, Lord, we would ask that you would you would bless us as we hear, perhaps as we are convicted and as we lay our lives down before you. 
Lord, we ask this in the blessed name of your son, Jesus. Um, I wanted to make note too this morning that uh, I'll be finishing up in Psalm 37. So if you want to, you know, find your way there and put a little a little marker there or whatever. So I have a story to tell you. Feeling convicted by his image in the mirror, the overweight middle-aged man was determined to go on a diet. Anybody been there before? The first item on his list of forbidden fruit was donuts. That was his favorite. Well, a few days into his misery, his thoughts turned to the local Dunkin' Donuts that he would be passing on his way to work as he did every day. Now, so far, he had resisted the temptation to stop and indulge himself in one of these cream-filled, frosted delights. And so as he pulled out of the drive, a thought popped into his head. And here was the thought. You know, you've done pretty good on this diet so far. Why not stop and reward yourself? Nope, nope. The fellow said all to himself as he's driving down the street. I'm on a diet and I mean to stick with it. But as he continued on his way, he began to think to himself, you know, I have been pretty good. What would it hurt to stop? And I'll, I'll just get one of the glazed donuts. Nope, nope, I'm on a diet. I'm going to do this. Well, it wasn't long before the that Dunkin' Donut sign, he could, he could see it in the distance there. And that's when the internal struggle really increased. And he started to say, I won't stop. I won't stop. I won't stop. Then he heard the little donut demons, if you will. <laughs> Just one little donut. I won't do it. Look at all the cars in the lot. All those people are enjoying donuts. Why shouldn't you enjoy one too? Alas, you know how it goes. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. And as if they had a life and a mind of their own, the left hand hit the turn signal while the other turned the wheel. And as the car turned almost all by itself into the Dunkin' Donuts parking lot, he saw that it was pretty full. Knowing he was losing control, the man cried out to God. And he said, Lord, if you want me to have a donut, the space right in front of the door will be open. And wouldn't you know it, on his 13th trip around the building, <laughs> it was indeed open. So we all know that struggle between doing what we know to be right and what we know to be wrong. We all understand that struggle. It's a battle that we are called to engage in as Christians day in and day out. To be tempted is not a sin. In fact, temptation is a, is a type of trial that when resisted and when overcome can increase our perseverance, increase our strength, increase our faith in much the same way as other trials do. And even though being tempted is a type of trial, James is making it, making sure that we understand the source of temptation is not from God. When James started his letter, you know, one of the reasons I think James bothered me so much is because he's just to the point. You know, he, he doesn't have any flowery language. He just, he, he just punches and then count and then left and then a right. And then, you know, he, he just gets to the point. 
And that can be offensive to us who are resisting the word. So he begins his letter by saying to the believers who are under persecution, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. That's verse two, chapter one. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Consider it all joy when you're meeting all these persecutions. So James is speaking of those God-sanctioned hard times that he leads us through that are lovingly designed by God for a purpose in our lives and for his own glory. You know, the first person that comes to mind when we speak of these God-sanctioned hard times, we Job, if you remember, God allowed Satan to have his way with Job for a time. And that was that's tough to, to witness as we read through the scriptures. And obviously it was tough for Job to go through, but it was for his good and for God's glory in the end. And my favorite is Joseph. You know, the injustices that was done to Joseph by his brothers, by Potiphar's wife, and by the, um, with a cupbearer who forgot to mention him to the king, all of these things. Remember Joseph at the end of the story says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. We had a dear friend in our um, family who uh, suffered from cancer. And you know, it was an amazing thing. The more she suffered from cancer, the more peaceful she became. And as we watched her, our faith was strengthened. So he was bringing her through a God-sanctioned hard time to increase her peace and increase our faith. So while we are to seek joy in the trials that God leads us through, we are to find no joy in temptations except the joy in, I think, resisting them. That gives us a measure of joy for sure. But I want to notice the separation of thought between verses 12 and verses 13. Verse 12, let me read them again. Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And then he kind of switches gear and thought here. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So though temptation is a type of trial, James shows us the distinction between the two types of trials. One is from God, and the other is not. Now this point had to be made, because some people hold to what I call a Darth Vader view of God. Now, I hope we all know who Darth Vader is in this room, but if not... I'll explain a little bit to you. The, and this, obviously, the Star Wars movies that came out when I was a kid was just totally mesmerizing. But they told the story of good and evil. And, of course, the representative of evil and the dark side was Darth Vader, the Dark Lord. And the representative of good and the light side was Luke, Luke Skywalker. And if you remember, at one point in one of the movies, the, the epic battle between these two um, iconic figures. Well, Luke, the guy who was representing good, was, was, was wounded and he was down and out. And instead of finishing him off, the evil Dark Vader said, Luke, come to the dark side. Come to the dark side, Luke. 
The Darth Vader view falsely reasons this. If God is in control of everything that happens, including when people do evil things, then he must be the source of all things, including those evil things. Do you see what I'm saying? And there are even atheists who will use that argument to dismiss the the existence of God. Well, if God was so good and so merciful, then bad things wouldn't happen. Therefore, there is no God. Therefore, temptation must ultimately come from God is what these people would say as they dismiss the thought. But James and all of Scripture reveals that God cannot be the source of temptation to do evil because as John puts it in 1 John 1, 5, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Adam, back in the beginning when confronted with his sin, he expressed that Darth Vader of you. Remember what he said? Well, God, this woman that you gave me, that you gave me, It's like the donut guy. God, you're the one who made that maple frosting so darn good. And you're the one who gave me these taste buds. It's your fault that I'm overweight, right? But that's not the correct view at all. Now, the origin of evil is truly a mystery and it's worthy of deep consideration. But for the subject of temptation to do evil, James is to the point, temptation to sin does not come from God. Or where does he say that it comes from? Well, verse 14. Verse 14 says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. One of the first things I noticed, I guess, as I was preparing this message was the glaring omission in who James says is responsible for temptation. Notice he doesn't name Satan in this explanation. When addressing us as Christian individuals, he's making it clear that our main concern when dealing with temptation is not Satan. It's not even the evil world that Satan leads, if you will. Our main concern is us when dealing with being tempted to sin. You see, the devil made me do it is not an option for the Christian. And remember, that's what Eve did, right? Adam blamed God and Eve, while Eve blamed Satan. And again, the role of Satan in temptation to sin is a worthy, uh, worthy of deep consideration for another time. But for the subject of temptation to do evil, as it relates to the Christian, to you and me, James is once again to the point. He says the source of temptation lies not outside of you, but inside of you. For the Christian, temptation comes not from God. Temptation comes not primarily from Satan. Temptation comes primarily from our own unholy desires. You see why me and James didn't get along at first? He's to the point. The fact that temptations come from evil, our own evil desires, should be and is alarming. 
And you know, James does not stop as exposing the source of our temptation. He completes this alarming picture by explaining what happens when temptation leads to sin. Look at verse 15. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Temptation. I put the Bible down when I first read that as in preparation for this. And I'm thinking, let me take, um, what's the fellow who wrote the message? What was his name? Yeah, Peterson. He wrote the message. I said, let me take the Peterson approach to this verse and see what James is trying to convey to me about being lured by my own evil desires to do something I know I should not do. And I think what James is saying is this, that temptation is the seductive call of my unholy desires to participate in the creation of death. Let me say it again. Temptation is the seductive call of my unholy desires to participate in the creation of death. Of death, And, you know, when I started to think about it that way, it started to become more real about what James is hitting so hard about here. Like I said, I didn't like James when I first met him. Be ye doers of the word. Um, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, James was telling me to do something that I wasn't doing, and I knew it. And now he's telling me that in me dwells something that needs to go. These evil desires. When we give in to temptation and commit sin, James, being inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, is telling us, he's warning us that we are participating in things that are reserved for hell. We are birthing things into this world that have been judged by God, unfit for heaven, and will be thrown into that lake of fire. Temptation is a seductive call of our unholy desires to participate in the creation of death. Now, if James were to stop right there, I feel as if he would leave me hanging over a pit, twisting in the wind of my own conviction. And so when I read things like this, right away, I want a list of things to do, right? Things to do to protect me from temptations when they come. I want those seven easy steps to overcome temptation. But James doesn't do that. Instead, he immediately makes a few points that lay down the foundation for resisting temptation. And he directs our thoughts to who God is and who we are in relation to God. Verses 16 and 17. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. You see what he does first. 
instead of giving a list of things to do, is he reminds us of who God is and how good God is. I was so happy to sing this song this morning. God is good all the time, all the time God is good. It's about time somebody wrote a song about that, right? We say it all the time. So James reminds us of the goodness of God. And then next, he reminds us that God is the source of all that is perfect and everything that comes to us through him, even when difficult to bear, is a perfect gift from our God. And so he reminds us that God is good, that God gives us good things. And then he says this, verse 18, your memorization verse for this week. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits for his creatures, of his creatures, I'm sorry. So instead of, of leaving us, instead of leaving me in our conviction, James reminds us of God's goodness And then he gives us the gospel. I don't want us to miss the power that is in that verse. God chose to save us from our sin and his judgment by his grace through the word of truth. Why did he do this? I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. Why did he do this? James simply explains it this way, that we would become his first fruits of all that he has created. Now, what does he mean by the first fruits? Well, the first fruits means the best of the best. The creme de la creme, right? The best that he has created. We have become, through the saving work of Jesus, the most cherished of all that he has created. What a powerful verse. You know, God gave us new life through the gospel. New life means we are a new creation. One of the first verses I learned to memorize when I became a Christian was, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so how does this new birth, how does this being a first fruit of all that he has created through the word of truth, how does this help us when we are tempted by our own evil desires? Well, it's funny how it comes back to this very thing. Be ye doers of the word, not just hearers. Wow. It's funny how things work out in life. How I was so offended at one time by James and what he was telling me to do and how now I appreciate his instructions. For the new man that I am in Christ now confronts the old man that I was in my sin. And I just heard recently someone preach, you know, every day when you get out of bed, that old man gets out with you. The work of redemption is done. It's finished. You're in. The work of sanctification has just begun. 
The spiritual struggle begins. It's the nature of Christ in me versus the nature of sin in me. It just doesn't want to leave. But if I become a doer of God's word, right, and not just a hearer, the new man will get stronger and the old man will get weaker. I want to go back to James because he he talks about this, actually, when he leaves the thought of being a um, a doer of the word and not just a hearer. Let me read verse 22 through 25. Listen to what he says about this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. And here's here it is right here. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So I joined the Navy in um, 1982. Went through boot camp. And boot camp was pretty easy in the Navy. It's not like the Marines or the Army or anything. And then I got out into the real Navy, experienced a little bit of freedom, leading life my own way. Well, after a while, me and the Navy didn't start getting along too well because the Navy says, you got to do it this way, and I'm saying I want to do it this way. Well, the misery that I caused myself from not obeying the word of the Navy came to a point where I finally said, okay, I've had enough. I give up. I'll do it the Navy way. And you know what? After that, we got along just fine. After that, I started to enjoy my Navy life. And it's kind of like that as us as Christians. If you have answered that call, if you have answered the call to give your life to Christ through faith, you're in. And now he's saying, okay, do it my way. And if we do it, so says James, we'll be blessed. If we don't, we'll be most unhappy. Temptation comes from the evil desires that dwell within us. Psalm 37, there's a couple verses in there that have affected me deeply in this matter. Psalm 37, verses 3 and 4. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. And here it is. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, the first time I read that, I thought, cool. All I need to do is go to church, raise my hands, sing and delight myself in the Lord. And I'll get what I want, right? There's that name it and claim it thing. But no, what I began to understand as I continued to read that and grow in my faith is that no, 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 that's not what that's talking about. It's this. You go out there and do good. You go out there and strive and to be faithful You bring yourself into the presence of the Lord and delight in him. And guess what? He's going to start changing the desires in your heart. He will give you 
the desires of your heart. I think that's the key right there. What do we do? First, we need to recognize the truth that temptation truly comes from the wrong desires in our heart. But the solution is this. Follow the advice of James and do good. Befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in your salvation in the Lord. And he's going to start changing you. And pretty soon you're going to start desiring in your heart what he desires from heaven. Ask and you shall receive. There's a little poem that was taught to me some time back. And I use it often because I need to use it often. And it goes like this. Two natures beat within my breast. One is cursed, the other blessed. The one I love and the other I hate. The one I feed will dominate. Let's pray together. Our God and our Father, we first of all just thank you so much for your mercy that you show us every single morning. When we get out of bed, we we are a new creation in Christ, but oh, that old man and that old woman get out of bed with us. Life, God, and obedience to you is certainly a struggle at times. But we would ask that you would lead us in the delight of your salvation, that you would change the desires of our heart, that we would pursue the kingdom of God before all else. And then we would live in a happy state, whether we are enduring hard times or just skating through the easy times. For both come from you, God. And so, Lord, I pray that you would touch each of our souls this morning and help us to learn that true joy in you only comes through obedience to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.